0: Hello everyone. This is W.A.K. William, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Today I'm super excited. Why this is surprising. I hop across the pond all the way to Adelaide, Australia to speak with a gentleman that you may be familiar with or not familiar with. Either way, you're going to learn more about this gentleman's craft. His name is Greg Peters. Let's bring him in.
1: Hello, Greg. How are you? Hey, W, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Good. Thank you so much for being a participant on Surprise Cast. Before we launch into this conversation, I do have a quick question for you. Do you know the name
1: Greg Peters and its origin and what it means? Oh, okay. Well, I only know my... family tree bit we found out and it actually probably isn't Peter's at all so my great 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 whatever great grandfather was born in Greece so we're thinking he was probably originally Petrodopolis or something but when he was quite young in his early 20s he moved to England and was a crewman on a ship that came down to Australia and his name then was Peter's my mum, my mum named me Greg or Gregory because she loved Gregory Peck. <laughs> she she had this saying: he, "He he, the actor, he could put his shoes under my bed anytime, She said, <laughs> so I was Gregory. But yeah, this this merchant seaman, they uh, they they got a they were shipwrecked on the off the coast of Tasmania, and he was part of the crew that saved all the passengers. And so they said you can stay in Australia now, and he did. And then he moved to Port Adelaide, South Australia, and became a master mariner. So sailing up and down the coast and over to New Zealand. Yeah, married Scottish English. So I'm a I'm a bitzer, but I've got a bit of Greek in me.
0: Well, so your name, as I looked up, Greg means vigilant, and Peter's means dependable, kind of a rock, a stone. I want to know. How those qualities, those characteristics appear in your life? How are you dependable? How
1: are you a rock? How are you vigilant? So dependable and vigilant. Dependable, I turn up for work most days. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, as in Australia here, chuck a lot of sickies. So (laughs) I'm pretty... Yeah, pretty dependable, <laughs> definitely is the word at work. So I I do have a good work ethic. You know, it's nine to five. And then after that, I just do my thing. But I don't know about a rock. Yeah, I've moved around to a lot of different houses. <laughs> so, but I've I've stayed in the same city I've been in since I was four years old. So call it dependable, call it boring.
0: <laughs> so let's go back and retrace some of those childhood steps. Give us a little description on what was your childhood experience like?
1: Oh, very, very happy, very middle class. So, dad owned a small business. Mum worked as a, a nurse on night shift a lot. I'm one of four boys. Yeah, like the suburb I lived in was, you know, known as a leafy suburb. And we'd go out and play in the streets, have, yeah, fun childhood with my mates riding bikes around the area out all day and come home for dinner, that kind of thing, playing in creeks, quite happy. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm at a therapist. <laughs>
0: and can you talk about a very impactful moment during your childhood, something that still lingers in your mind today, positive or negative?
1: Hmm. Well, I remember once down at the end of our road, there was a park and there was this big beehive there. And I was there with my older brothers on the youngest, and they were throwing rocks at the beehive, of course, as you do. And finally, one rock hit it quite hard, and suddenly the bees started coming towards us. They all ran, and I was just, I don't know, like a deer in headlights staring at it, and they got they attacked my face and i had multiple bee stings and they were just laughing of course but yeah ran home to mum crying and but yeah i was in i was in a bit of pain for a while there so with that experience tell me the role
0: your parents played in your life in terms of you growing up either loving sports or music how did they kind of foster and nurture that
1: hmm. so mum was a nurse so i guess she was always very Caring by by nature. Yeah. But I got to say, they didn't, because I was the last one, I, I think they maybe forgot about me a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't a bad experience. It was just, there wasn't a huge amount of input. Like, you know, I, I didn't have any dreams or whatever, but I was never kind of encouraged. I, I was, there was interest shown in how well I was doing academically at school and, you know, just a good on you or, you know, hey, you better buckle up in sport i played a lot of sport so cricket and footy like australian rules did rowing <laughs> but my parents never came to any events any any matches my older brother took a little bit more interest and in he used to take me for kicks at the oval kicks of footy and develop my skills in that way but yeah my parents were you know again that solid rock foundation but nothing in a very influential kind of manner. But i probably say that, and I, on the outside, I've, I've picked up a lot of traits of my parents. That's
0: yeah. And tell me, I know how much you love music. It's very clear. But when did that all begin? When were those seeds planted?
1: So mum and dad weren't huge music lovers, but we did have an old big wooden record player so, you know, they had things like James Last, Nana Musciri. But we did have a, a couple of the, like, Bill Haley and the Comets would get a play, Nutbush City Limits when friends came over and we'd do that, that dance. But really, I guess, music started properly for me is late primary school, around 12 years old, when a friend of mine who is a second cousin to this fella here, got us started um getting us into the cure so it was 1979 they'd just come out and he would give us mixtapes and there'd be so me and probably three or four of my friends around that age were really into the cure and then so this this older he was one year older than us the, the relative of john john hello john he would also then give us or introduce us he'd put like, I remember distinctly the first time he played Echo and the Bunnyman's The Cutter. And so we'd hear, we'd play Echo, we'd play Psychedelic Furs. We retrospectively would listen to Sex Pistols, The Stranglers, and yeah, all that. <laughs> A lot of English post punk punk.
0: Okay. So music starts to grab hold and starts to shape you, start attending some shows. Obviously, the, your library of knowledge starts to expand quite a bit with music. So when did DJing start to rear itself in your life?
1: It wasn't until uh, I was about 22, 23. So in between, so being, being the, this is my theory anyway, with, unless you had a lot of money and unless you were able to purchase Physical releases by albums. I think our 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 music, my music anyway, was a lot more narrow. So I really there was Midnight Oil, The Cure, maybe there was only three or four five bands I was into in my teens, and basically The Cure was it. Like wait, hanging out on every release to come out. So up to about, and then I started. Well, okay. Yeah so it's around the so disintegration came out and I was still just pretty much very narrow in my my view of music and then I guess 1990 yeah there's a lo- there is still a local alternative community radio station here in Adelaide which has been operating since the 70s it's called 3D Radio now it used to be called Triple M when I first started there well I went along to a day where you could Become an announcer, and you'd go along for, for training for that, and then if you sort of progress from there, they they got you to buddy up with another DJ, and I buddied up with a guy who was very experienced, very patient with me, and I learned a lot off him. And then you got through that, and they said, right now we can get with. So I was offered a graveyard shift of six, yeah, six to eight a.m. on a Sunday morning, so of course I I did that. But luckily I only had to do it for a few months and then they offered me um, nine to midnight on Saturday night. So around that time I became friends obviously with other DJs and a lot of the DJs at that time at at 3D were in bands and mainly shoegaze bands in Adelaide. So there was probably four or five radio announcers. I'd go along to their gigs that often they'd play together at and it'll be shoegaze. So that was my, and they were also playing Ride. They were playing Chapter House. And I learned all those bands and were, yeah, just in love with it. It wasn't really a big thing. This is shoegaze. It's just, this is what's good at the moment. This is what's cool. I don't particularly say, oh, I'm really into shoegaze. I just, I'm really into Chapter House, Pale Saints, we were mentioning before off, off air. Yeah, all those, all those, pretty much a lot of the English. So Adelaide, and at the time, we're very anglophile in our music listening. So it wasn't until later I'd heard of all, all the US, the really good one, good bands. I can still don't name off the top of my head. I have to go searching for like medicine, I guess. So when you're getting deeper and
0: deeper into this genre, did you have friends that were
1: experiencing that as well? Or were you kind of the lone wolf? Probably probably not close personal friends, but I made, I'd say more acquaintances, radio, radio DJ acquaintances. Although having said that, yeah, because the the music is quite underground compared to America. I think over here we're quite a conservative place. So I always used to say it's less than 10% are into alternative music, but probably even less. And And I guess being a, Smaller population of around a million people, then they're quite difficult to find. Definitely didn't have anyone in my workplace that were into the same music. There was an old school friend and I swapped or gave him a few CDs and he got into it and we started to see a few bands and we went to the Big Day Out in 1993, which was the first one that came to Adelaide. It was a huge event and we saw... Iggy Pop, Sonic Youth, Nick Cave, Mud Honey—just it was an amazing gig. So that that one really stands out. With a friend going to that, and then and then when when I was renting, I rented with a guy who was well, he, he looked the the usual skinhead type, cropped hair, dot Martin boots, and I guess he introduced me into more like the Dead Kennedys, which I sort of already knew from school, but that kind of hardcore and up and modern bands like that he said oh you might like this and he showed me this is screeching weasel (laughs) because you might like these because they're more melodic which you tend to like and and funny lyrics and things bands like no effects and bad religion i got into a bit in that sense with through a a friend slash housemate yeah but the djing was yeah in the early night i think 90 to 92 and i really enjoyed the evening show where I'd come up with competitions. One was called Hang the DJ based on the Smiths lyric, and I'd play that over and over. And I said, right, you got to guess this track. And I'd play 10 seconds, call in, and that way I've got an idea of who was listening. And there were a few listening would call in and guess the song and try and hang me by, I can't remember the details, but yeah, but that only lasted two years. And then family got in the way, and I, I kind of my music. I still were on was on the fringe gathering things. Huge Radiohead fan. So whenever they released something, I'd grab that. Still... Yeah, see, I even probably lost a bit of the older stuff because I didn't have Spotify and I didn't really have a record player anymore. So it was whatever CDs I would buy of Radiohead. I don't know. All that kind of ilk. <laughs> so I lost it for a long time. And then I got back into DJing only... I'd say five or six years ago, so I was—I w- I really wanted to get into and I tried a few different stations and I found one that's a little bit an hour out of the city called Tribe FM and i they said, make a name up for your radio show and I chose Vapor Trail just because I wanted people just to get straight away an inkling of what I'd be playing around the shoegaze kind of thing. Got up to date with all, I started listening at the same time to DKFM so I got up to all the modern shoegaze that was being played and went back and heard other other bits and pieces I'd missed and, yeah, did that radio show for Saturday night. Again, it was, I think, 6 to 9 p.m. for a couple of years. And then Brett from Eardrum Buzz was tuning in every now and then and, and he was starting up his Eardrum Buzz radio and he said, oh, do you want to do a one-hour once-off special on the show, you can do Australian bands if you like. And I said, "Yep, happy to do that." I did that, and then he asked me to go full time after that. So kept the vapor trail DJ kind of uh, moniker, I guess. I've had the good fortune of interviewing
0: several DJs, and I always ask them the same question, which I'm going to ask you. So, while you're DJing, what is that? What is that
1: thrill? people talk about what is that rush? What's that but yeah. I do think about that every now and then because I kind of sometimes I question why am I doing this just because it's a lot of preparatory work, which you must know about. And then you look back and you think, well, how many people have I reached with this? So you do kind of well I do I I quite second guess why am I doing this? But all it takes is one person or one listener saying wow I've never heard of this band you've introduced that to me and that's all it like that's all it is to me because like on on eardrum buzz probably a little known it's not a secret but we see how many people are listening at a time and I just always say as long as there's one <laughs> then you know that person could either be you know a, a pure listener I call them that not in a band but they they might enjoy something and either buy it or just Tell their friends about it. Well, they could be in a band, and this would be probably a bit egotistical, but it could be like, "Oh, yeah, I want to write something like that," or, or you know, <laughs> but you know, yeah. But yeah, the the thrill of that is is the people. I mean, in the end, I'm just usually <laughs> playing music I love, <laughs> and I'll listen to it if there's no one else. And and I, I'll I listen over and over a playlist before I really lo- upload it just thinking, yeah, that's a good song, or, oh, actually, I don't really like that song. I'll cut it. So it's all about my taste in the end. I mean, And, yes, I I do definitely try to promote new stuff and local stuff, so I might give a little slack there. But we may talk later about the gigs I've organised and DJed at too. So a similar thing there, like the band plays, everyone goes outside for a smoke or fresh air, and you're DJing, so there's hardly anyone there. But those moments where... Someone turns around and just a thumbs up, you know, like they're enjoying it. Or they come up and say, "Who's this?" And then you, you give them a Spotify link. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're the they're the reasons. So
0: what are the attributes, the characteristics of what you think makes a good DJ?
1: Um, gosh, I think your overall knowledge. You you really do need to hold back. Who your favorite bands are, still follow them and new releases, but really seek out, seek out, <laughs> that sounds a bit Star Trek, <laughs> seek out new worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah, be open, open minded and not just start a song and go, be willing to go at least halfway through it or at least until the vocals start. Just be open minded. Be <laughs> try to keep your ego out of it, although I just sort of said before, I'll play what I like, but, yeah. You see, it's different. And in other, I DJ a bit with old school friends. Sometimes we catch up on a Wednesday night and have a barbecue, and I'll, I'll prepare playlists for that because that's a different audience. They're still into Midnight All in a big way. A few of them are into The Cure, but others hate The Cure. So it's, I've got to be a bit, That that's where actually more than anything, I cater for an audience being around my old school friends and I'll play, I'll occasionally play stuff that I don't really like. See, big. I know a lot of people in the States and around the world love In Excess, but I don't like them. (laughs) I mean, maybe they're really old stuff, Shove It Brother, Just Keep Walking, that's all right, but I don't like In Excess, but that would be a band I'd play around my friends, maybe one song. And I might skip it halfway through. No, never, never. That's another thing. If you're a good DJ, you must always let a song go all the way through. (laughs) When I talk about being a DJ, when I'm at work with my earphones, if someone taps me and asks a question, I have to always pause. Then I always have to go back to the start of it. So you've got to hear a a song in full. I don't know if that's a trait of a DJ. (laughs)
0: And in terms of flow, I've heard that word come up time and time again. How much... How much do you believe in flow and tempo of the the organization of, of that of that playlist?
1: Yeah, somewhat, but for me, it's more quite subconsciously. I've heard Simon Leclerc, that brilliant DJ on DKFM, who's been on your show, talk about flow a lot, or well, once or twice maybe. And I've heard others talk about flow, and even on our live show, we'll get into on on eardrum buzz. My, one of my colleagues, Megan, says, I'll move that up the order of the the queue the because it'll flow better. And, yeah, usually she's right. But I think to myself, I spend so many hours just getting it together. I, yeah, I don't spend a lot of time on flow. Maybe that pre-listening to the playlist, I might move one around, one or two around. But to me, I think... I like to go a bit of light and then dark, up-tempo, down-tempo. So I wouldn't do all down-tempo in a row. But other than that, I think any song can be played after another, pretty much. I'm not too strict on that.
0: Talk to me more about Eardrum Buzz and Vapor Trail and all that.
1: Yeah. So Brett started Eardrum Buzz Radio. He He was with another station, which wasn't really working for him before that, but... The name escapes me right now, but he started. Well, he was with them. He didn't own the other one. So this one he owns. So Brett Miller is based in Burbank, California, the same state as you, I believe. <laughs> and he he's he's been around, DJing or writing for fanzines, etc., from college days. The radio college days in the nineties, I believe. And yeah, he started this station about four, five years ago, and he calls it music for introverts. (laughs) So it's it's not all shoegaze, but that is a big element of it. There's a lot of indie, there's a lot of even electronica, and he's got about, oh, I want to say 10 DJs on there. There's been a few have come and gone, been and gone. There's And they're all around the world. So Nico, who's based in Brighton in the UK, I think he was one of his first to join him. He does a show, Beatastic Transmission, something like Beatastic. Again, sorry, not 100% on the exact name, but he he, he, he plays sometimes exclusively all the bands that he has on his record label, Shore Dive Records there's been other uk there's one hilarious and a lot of these are suddenly being picked up on spotify i know I, everyone hates that platform and i don't sort of promote it usually but some of our shows get picked up as podcasts on spotify and one of them is hilarious you've got to listen to it. it's these guys that are in in england and they sit around sipping scotch and making jokes and and they're so funny like and you know it's it's I was surprised, you know, Brett kind of lets it through, but they drop the F-bomb and all sorts, and and they play music, and, yeah, it's good. So there's that one. Oh, it's called Across the Pond. Oh, terrible with names. I should have come prepared. (laughs) Um, There's also uh, DJ Wednesday, Margaret Fenton, does a show, which is more like your gothic dark wave. So, yeah. Any any time of the day, you, you can tune in, eardrumbuzz.net, internet radio station, and just click on a few things and it'll tell you when shows are on, and that leads you to Vapor Trails. So originally when I started, I was doing a two-hour weekly because I was, I was pretty much um, just repeating it. I was still with my radio station in Adelaide and just duplicating the, the show. So I did that for about a year, but then I know I always say it doesn't matter if you have too many listeners. But that it's quite a country town, and I had zero listeners, so I said bye bye to them and just continued with Vapor Trail, where we, we know it's more than more more appropriate niche. So yeah, then I did I went cut it back to two hours fortnightly, and then I went off air for a little while. But then we started up Vapor Trail live, so. That's every your time Friday night, six to nine PM Pacific time. I said fortnightly, didn't I? So, yeah, second and fourth Fridays of the month, six to nine PM Vapor Trail Live. So, that will involve three DJs one, me being in Adelaide, another, Brett, based in Bur- Burbank, and the other, Megan, based in San Diego. So, not all the time, all three of us, one of us might have something on, so there might be two of us, but usually there's three of us. Vegan's done a solo one once. And, yeah, what we do with that show is we have themes. So we did a one a couple of weeks ago. or No, it was last Saturday. Saturday, our time. So in Australia, it's Saturday at the moment, 12.30 to 3.30 p.m., Australian Central Daylight Time, Eastern States, half-hour Anyway, (laughs) But um, yeah, last week we did a Black Lives Matter, at my suggestion, because here in Australia last Friday was a public holiday that I'm quite against, and a lot of people are against. It's called Australia Day. I'm not against having a national day, but they celebrate it on the day that the British invaded, planted a flag, and a lot of genocide started from that day so it's actually very hurtful to our indigenous people so you know i don't want to get into politics too much but i wanted to redress that in a little way by doing people of color and we went through really it was a long show it was great so we 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 did that and we've also done themes on 80s or pick a particular year all sorts of themes. yeah so that that's that we get a lot of enjoyment from that we get quite a few listeners in the stakes obviously We get a UK listener, John Emsley. I don't know if you know of John. (laughs) He's a regular. And a few in Australia as well. And we promote bands, obviously, and the bands will listen in. So that's always fun. Yeah. Well, I can't remember what your question was, original question was now. (laughs) I do tend to rant a little.
0: Okay, so one of the things I've learned about you is that there's this thing called Dark Transmissions and a compilation that was put together. By you, is that correct? So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, I'll try and keep my answer brief. <laughs> yeah, because it's probably a bit an involved answer. Sorry, just before I finish, oh, uh, answer this question, I just remembered I didn't promote my own show. So besides Vapor Trail Live, I do a Vapor Trail show as well weekly. So that's now Thursdays, 6 p.m., could go one hour, two hour, depending on the theme, and that's US specific time as well. So that's just me, and that's my my show. And like the last show I did, oh, that's a good segue actually. Was playing a lot of the bands that were on Dark Transmissions one and two. I played that just yesterday our time and last night your time. Yeah, but a lot of those I was doing. I did a series, I think nine episodes called Ozgaze. So that's a Facebook page i run as well called Oz, as in aus gaze and with that i was doing shows i started doing an (laughs) hour you know w you just sometimes again out of bit out of frustration you spend so much time which you love doing and you wonder how many people are listening and if it's very little, you go well what is it then is that people's attention spans these days (laughs) i don't mean to sound a whinge i'm in a privileged lovely position i I would never give it up but I started doing 30 minute bites, I'd call them. <laughs> so I'd play like seven brand new Australian shoegays. So there's a series of that. You can find that on Podbean, the eardrum buzz archived Podbean. I don't have the full address in front of me. And like I said before, some of those were getting onto Spotify. So just go to eardrum buzz radio there. Now, yeah, so dark transmissions. So try and keep this brief. <laughs> so when I. Started interviewing local bands at Tribe FM. They'd come and it's like an hour's drive, so that was awesome that they'd come. I interviewed one band called Blush Response, I don't know if you've heard of. And he, as in Alistair, the the singer, songwriter, often bedroom recorder, recordist, was playing a gig. He was supporting underground lovers who were huge in Australia. One of my all-time favorite bands that have been since the 1990s anyway they were underground lovers released an album and they were coming to adelaide to promote it and blush response the local band was supporting and also they had a dj there in this in this nightclub kind of thing jive anyway and so i saw this i knew the name of this dj just he was on the public broadcast but he was playing all this cool music, and people were turning to me and, oh, that's that B fifty two song, blah blah blah. And I was going, and he played, you know, a bit of shoegaze post punk. I was going, oh, I'd love to do that. So anyway, I mentioned to Alice that at your next gig, please think of me. I'd love to DJ. And he goes, yeah, of course. But nothing ever came of that. So I thought, oh, I've got to get on the front foot a bit more here, and I should organise a gig, and then I'll DJ at it. And and so that's what I started to do. I started. Yeah, a few different venues, few different bands, and finally we locked in February 2021 at the same place I saw Underground Lovers with the DJ, and I had, or well, we had, because I got help from the bands, four bands, three from Adelaide and one from Melbourne who drove across. It was, it was mid COVID. They had to rush over the border and get a test and wait to be. It was quite shambolic, but in the, I DJed at that going back a step there one of the bands said oh we need to get a poster or at least a facebook banner and i said can you design that him being arty and this is um peter blunden from one of the bands that played which was um the howling folk so he designed this really if you look on Bandcamp now it's still there and and look up dark transmissions his um kind of psychedelic swirly thing and then he's he said to me well, I was, I was saying I'd like to make this more of an event than just a gig. So I mean, it'll be good to have a name to it. And I didn't have anything to offer, but he came up with dark transmissions. I went perfect. So it's dark. It's kind of a bit of dark wavy, but it's psychedelic. And yeah, so that was the original dark transmissions gig. So that was number one. Since then, I've had four more and branded them dark transmissions two, three, four, and five. So that's the gigs. I organise the bands and I DJ them. And and they the very first one sold out, even though it was COVID restricted numbers, but it was over a hundred, which is pretty good for Adelaide. And then it would dwindle. We got down to like twenty people. And I was going, oh. So I thought, what else can I do? I'll do an album comp- compilation album of all the bands that had played at that stage. Dark Transistors one to four gigs, and I I sought out first Nico because I knew. Via other bands that he promotes in Australia that he has on his label. And I said, What about a compilation album? He went, Yeah, that's awesome. And then he actually came up with the idea when we were talking about, Should we just make it a pay as you go or, or put a, and he goes, Just make it free. I've done free before and you get put it towards a charity. Think of a charity. So I asked around a little bit, but came up with a charity in Australia is called Support Act. So they 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 help people in the music industry whether they're not working due to ill health, mental illness or even covid at the time whilst it was, still could be covid they help them out. So they're awesome great charity. So then I just did the old messenger messaging off to all these bands that I had put up I guess as gigs. I think two of them didn't do it, didn't want or well, I wanted to do it but they reckon their record label didn't you know wouldn't agree. Being on two different labels, so that's fair enough. But I got—I think I got in the end 14 or 16, anyway, on Dark Transmissions one, and that was released on the 30th of June 2023. We we sold well; people donated, and we were raised over about $300. So that—that's cool. Wouldn't have had that in the first place. So you could see the downloads there in about the high 30s amount. So yeah, that was Dark Transmissions 1. And then <laughs> then uh, towards the end of last year, I thought, I want to do a Dark Transmissions 2 album. But this time, not just bands I've organised, just any Australian bands that I love. So I, I went out to all these bands I really liked, Relay Tapes, and you know, I went all around Australia. I tried to get a Perth one, but I, first they said yes, but then they said no. Well, they just didn't. Like, you've got to chase these people and they just don't answer you that's okay that's all part of it and then i but i got quite a few so as uh, 21 on this new album that's just came out on the 26th of january ironically that australia Day, and so far without outdone the previous one by raising i don't know the exact current figures from nico but the downloads are up to like 57 downloads instead of Forty or thirty, high thirties. Previous one, so yeah, it's pretty, and and it's you just see on Facebook, people are sharing it, and there's been like you know, Shoegaze albums of the year. The first one made that Shoegaze albums of the month. It's made January, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. I love how you're always in the trenches.
0: You know that expression, right? You, You you roll up your sleeves. You get dirty. You got to do what you got to do. That seems to be part of what I was trying to get to earlier about kind of this vigilance, this determination, this, that rock that, you, you know, and things aren't going to go smoothly, but you're still going to stay the course. You're going to weather through the storm and you just keep pounding and pounding away at that. And that's something to be very admired for. Yeah. Yeah and i know it's not easy nothing about the arts is easy
1: <laughs> you know? actually yeah it's funny you mentioned that too because what the the last dark transmissions 5 was only a few weeks ago and one of the band members in i haven't met but introduced himself and he said gee greg thank you so much for putting this all together he said it must have been like herding cats Besides laughing, I thought, yeah, that's pretty apt (laughs) for all this music stuff we do. It's herding cats.
0: (laughs) What do you prefer? What do you prefer, organizing or DJing? (laughs) That's a tough one.
1: Yeah, DJing is my ultimate radio, and if I could have a permanent gig DJing to people who liked my music (laughs) that would be the ultimate you know not not even weekly fortnightly or monthly at a at a club and just djing that would be great there's a guy in adelaide that does do that he and he does the old indie smith's cure kind of things and he gets good numbers His he he puts shows called how soon is now and he gets the people of our age or yeah dancing away so that's pretty cool but i'd I'd probably want to go more down the noisier side it must be
0: such a difficult profession because of the sheer volume of people that are in it and also how to maintain your audience like how do you do that
1: oh that's yeah if i knew that I'd, i'd be selling out the entertainment center here or not, 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 that's the wrong one. i my big ambition at the beginning of the organizing gigs was one day to have a shoegaze festival, like a two day big outdoor event at a oval somewhere where tens of thousands would come. But, uh, you know, still got to have a little bit of that dream. But I just know it's probably very highly unlikely. I don't know. Just keep plugging away like you do in any, any job. Be, or what's the fancy word they use these days um, in management? Oh, it's kind of like flexible. Hmm? Yeah, flex. Pivot. That's it. I heard, I overheard that some management manual, oh, you wankers. <laughs> but it is, it does make sense. Pivot, just whatever comes your way, you either capture or you block, you glance away. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really have any. I just, in the end, I just, I'll just keep doing my DJing stuff on the radio. Brett's been awesome. So we, even if I just come down to doing the the Vapor Trail live every second Friday and fourth Friday of the month with Megan, and we, we have a great rapport there and um, have fun. That's the main thing.
0: Don't you think, though, in any industry, any business, connecting with your audience is so vital, making them feel heard, making them feel like they have a voice. And I'm not suggesting you don't do that because clearly you come across to me as someone that's very embracing, accepting of people. You want to learn, you want to grow in this in your field. But it is shocking to me when I see people on the internet who are promoting something and then I see a bunch of people excited about it, but you don't hear from the person ever again. And I don't understand that. Like, don't you? I understand it takes time to communicate. Chrissy Vanderwood is so good at this. Yeah. The DKF, DKF, DKFM team, which I'm more familiar with, there seems to be that connection with the audience. Can
1: you speak to that? Oh, for sure. Like, oh, you, well, I go on to those. I'm usually at work, so I'm I'm listening, but I can't often. I do participate sometimes on their Facebook page as that's going live, and it's amazing if I miss it and I go back. They've had 300, like, comments plus, and I'm sure that that's what Greg Wilson, I think, does really not drum into but really want that connection with people, and it a lot of it would be around how many comments. We at Eardrum, Braz, Eardrum Buzz for Vapor Trail, and and most shows, I believe, Try to emulate that in a sense. We have our Facebook page for that particular particular show, excuse me, and we encourage. You know, we send out you know to people that have listened in before. Hey, we're here now, and yeah, we quite often sometimes might get a hundred or so comments. So that's definitely one way to connect. There's so many obviously other ways um, via Twitter X or, and and whatever all those social media platforms, but. You're right. It, a lot of it also comes down for me. I think with though, and that's why I'm happy with how the Dark Transmissions albums have come because, and the gigs where I speak, I go to gigs and then I speak to the band members. I've become friends with, and they'll ask, "What's what's happening with you? What are you doing next? Have you organising another gig?" And you know, their enthusiasm, I I draw off. I go, "Wow, yeah, okay," because I I didn't. I originally, draw a line through Dark Transmissions four gig because I had Dark Transmissions one album playing all those artists. But then, when I said that to someone, oh, that's a shame. Like, and someone said to me, you should do it full time. You should get arts funding. You should pay money on 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 Facebook to to you know increase the event, sort of blah blah blah, and. So, you know, oh, I got a bit exhausted thinking about it. And, you know, if I was retired, maybe. Was just speaking of that the other night to my friend Georgia here last night. So, and she said, oh, you could retire in 10 years. I went, but what would I do? And she said, hello, look at all the music stuff. You know, like, you yeah. <laughs> know." But it's about real connections and it's about the balance of real connections and, and social media, I think.
0: You're wearing a Cure shirt. Obviously, I know what the Cure means to you. I want you to tell me two to three albums that have had significant impact on your life.
1: Oh, okay. Here's something I prepared earlier. So it was great going through my... I don't have a huge amount of vinyl. I'm no Simon Leclerc in that sense at all. But I've, I've got a, a box, a milk crate box that I would not part with ever. Horrible, horrible truth. I don't own a turn table still. I'm too lazy to get up to turn the record over. So I have Bluetooth through my speaker. <laughs> okay. Reveal number one will be no shock at all. Hey, actually, pick this from the back of the album. That's the first cassette I ever owned of The Cure. So the story behind this is they released this one, Iconic. Oh, so to get back a bit. In 1979, in the UK, then I found out, only a few years ago, they released the, they called it a compilation album, Boys Don't Cry. So uh, Three Imaginary Boys is the pink one. Boys Don't Cry in the US and Australia had about four songs extra, like Foxy Lady, World War. I don't remember what they dropped, but yeah. So that obviously means a lot to me. If I had the vinyl of their faith album or pornography album, they're number one or two. And that one's actually a little bit down the list. Anyway, that's yeah, yeah, it's just obvious. Like I mentioned way back at the beginning, me and my friends really got into the cure in a big way. This one's a bit of a retrospective, but and it has changed between the artist, one of their two albums, well well known albums, and I always used to say, and I love the image of closer but now it's this one unknown pleasures and just a beautiful beautiful album that i always go back to and then i tried to get something a bit more modern but i could only get to the early 90s and i've got i'm pretty proud that i've got these ones the four eps in vinyl yeah this is the play one with like a daydream so yeah i mean that's more an EP than an album. but And I've got, yeah, obviously bit, some Ride stuff there. But, you know, like, just I haven't got the actual, probably the last actual vinyl I've got was Ride's last album, the Green One Double album. And, yep, no, I can't think. But and also, you know, albums of choice that I've loved in the last few years, like Australian bands, Oceans, Love them. You should check out their last album from last year, and Flying Colors. They're, they're like a flagship to the Australian current. They're up there with few Guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, so, what's next for Greg Peters? Oh, what's next? Retirement? <laughs> nah. I've, I've I'm constantly. I'm fortunate in my job role. It's not rocket science what I do I'm in accounts doing in Excel spreadsheets all day so I get to listen to music all day and I create playlists all the time so I'm always getting together playlists for a radio show in the future so besides the dark transmissions one that I just did i'm I'm a really big fan of all the bands that were on the Sarah records label from those early nineties years in the UK. So, I, I've the Field Mice and Heavenly were big when I was DJing back in the day. So, I always loved the Field Mice and iterations after that. So, I'm, I've got a show mostly organized, but I still got to put down my vocals. <laughs> Sounds wanky. And I've got to put down my, my what I'm going to say, which is scary because there might be people who are obviously know it a lot more than me. Yeah, series of shows. I'm going to play the whole catalogue of, because it's those 100, there were 100 singles released, and I'm going to play the 34 bands out of those first 100 singles over two shows, so like 17 a week. So that's the songs most people know, Christine, Pristine, Pristine, Christine, Christine, Christine etc. Sea Urchins, all that, all that stuff. And then I'm going to, I found a lot of the B-sides, which are less often heard. So I'm going to... Dedicate a couple of shows to B sites, then the albums they released, and then just whatever's left over I've missed out i've got it all I've got it all marked out, and then where are they now so you know bands that they're in so where are they now <laughs> yeah, so that's a big big project I've been working on for a long time I've spent a multitude of hours and i keep i get sometimes I get lazy and I go ah. Oh or scared, and then I go, but you have to. You've dedicated so much work to this already. The other one, I had a project thinking, oh, there's a a band. Like I was mentioning, when I was DJing here, there were bands I used to go to that were also working as DJs. A huge, biggest band I think Adelaide ever had in the early 90s was the band The Mandelbrot Set, and they were very shoegazy, indie, and I've... I sent an interview questions over to the bass player who I see around town every now and then, and he's answered a lot of series of questions about their time in that late 80s, early 90s. So I've got all his recordings. I just have to splice and dice it and mix it with music. So that that's also another project I've got to, I've got to put together. But I'm heading to overseas in about three weeks, so I've got to either squeeze it in before or wait till after. You've got plenty on my plate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to
0: ask you one more question. We're going to circle all the way back around from the beginning. And I described uh, kind of what Greg means and what Peters means. And in terms of your vigilance, your, your, your willingness to really explore bands, music, and all of that, it's, I know what I've learned about you so far, Greg, is it's important for you to share and express your love for music. That's very clear to me. and I, I admire that quite a bit. So you said something like, well, I don't know if I should go through with it. It just sounds so overwhelming. Why wouldn't you? You have so much vivid and vigor and passion. I know it can be a headache. I know it's a daunting task. That's my question to you. Why wouldn't you? You've got the tenacity.
1: No. The answer, I guess, is I will go through with it just to what degree of input I put into it, what, how heavily I go into it. Even like the Sarah records, if I end up just, I'm going to release the music and not talk about it, That's that would suck. That wouldn't be a good experience for the listener, but... Yeah, it's gonna happen as just how to what degree. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that because I I I I think
0: you do have the energy and the drive. And I hope whether you know it's a small mini festival and hundred people show up, awesome. Because you're about you are about connecting with people. So, anyways, that's what I wanted to end it on. Thank you. Greg Peters, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me insight into your world as an aspiring DJ, someone who likes to connect with people in communities with music and the arts. So I'm glad we could make this happen. And best of luck to all the work that you do. Yeah. Thank you so much. My name is AK William, host of The High Art on the Edge page now running surprise casts. This was with Greg Peters, surprise cast.